companies. As you said, everybody's going to become a tech company. I could not agree more. Every company is going to have to think like a tech company, which is take some risks, reinvest, innovate, get better, eliminate efficiency, get rid of waste. And I think, you know, also on the on the on the asset side, too, I mean, you're going to have to rethink a lot of these assets and a lot of them are going to need technology to power them to understand flow and, and, and patterns and migration and all these sort of things. Like you said, data on where people are moving, living, uh, how long. I mean, that data, it's no longer like, oh, I heard so and so sold at this cap rate across the street. I mean, it's it's really you know, this is your world. The whole the whole industry is changing for the better. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris Powers, and I want to thank you for joining me on the Fort Podcast today. This show is an open-ended discussion and journey covering real estate, business, entrepreneurship, and investing. I would love to hear from you by tweeting me at Fort Worth Chris on Twitter. Hey guys, it's Chris. Thanks for joining me on The Fort today. I'm really excited to have Michael Beckerman with me, the founder and CEO of Cretech. Cretech's the largest community of people, venture capital, and founders in the real estate technology world. Prior to founding that, he started Beckerman Public Relations, which quickly became one of the top 50 largest independently owned PR firms in the country. Michael's a hoot. You're really going to enjoy this episode. We cover a lot, uh, what the pandemic has done to an events-focused business, uh, how he's pivoted, and um, some of his ideas coming out of this, kind of the state of the real estate technology world, and more. Enjoy. Michael, just to kick it off, tell us a little bit about how you kind of got into this business and, and what's going on in your world today. Hey, uh, thanks, Chris. So first of all, Kudos to you. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the uh, podcast. Uh, I, I love the fact that you're doing it. I find it interesting. I'm a listener. I'm a fan. Uh, and uh, you know, congratulations on uh, on your extraordinary uh, career in real estate as well. I've been following you not since you're 17, but I've yeah. been following you for a while, <laughs> man. And, Thank you. And, uh, you are a classic entrepreneur, so it's it's great to spend time with you. Yeah, so just you know the 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 short story, Chris, is that I've been in I've only been in commercial real estate my whole my whole career, so it's been about thirty five years, and it's the only industry I know. And in the first phase of my career, the bulk of it was spent sort of on the media public relations side, and I was representing very large, you know, mostly landlords, uh, uh, you know. Uh, national practice as their PR agency, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, after having done that for so long, and as somebody that I, I try to think of myself, I try not to think of myself, but I try to think of myself as a, as an infinite learner. And I'm just trying like you to constantly be pushing myself into areas where I don't know when I get that, you know, that feeling of, of insecurity and being scared. And that was for me, technology. I didn't know anything about it. I wasn't good at it. I can barely, you know, turn on my phone. I have to get one of my kids to help me if it's like, you know, <laughs> frozen or something. <laughs> but I knew in commercial real estate that, listen, this is the biggest industry on earth as measured by global GDP. It's only a matter of time till technology impacts the sector. So I guess around, you know, 2012, 13, 14, I started to like move into the sort of building this community of commercial real estate tech professionals, enthusiasts, and that would be startups, investors, you know, the venture side and angel side. And then it would be, you know, the landlords and the brokerage and the asset managers that would use this technology. So, you know, the first couple of years, it was, it was like, you know, ghost town handful of startups, mostly New York. And then, uh, you know, it's just started to grow and grow and grow. And, you know, our primary business was uh, conferences. I, I, some of your listeners probably don't even know what that is anymore. But those used to be where people would meet together <laughs> in person. They would shake hands. They would hug. Sometimes they would kiss. And uh, that was our primary business. Uh up until you know COVID, uh, and we and we built a very big community of about a hundred thousand people globally. We bought a company in London that does this, and uh, and then uh, this thing called uh, COVID nineteen came along and uh, just messed with my plans. My God, so that's, 
<laughs> we're gonna uh, we're gonna we unpack at. that. How how okay. did you start to build the community in 2012? Did you already know all these people? Did you create like some type of online forum? Like how did you start building no. it? Yeah, you know, Chris, I I think if I have a talent, if if I think I have one, I think it's just helping people and connecting people. I don't really have. I don't like if you ask me how a lot of the technology works or. If you, you know, if you ask me, do I know how to program? No. Do I have any great insights? I think I got some ideas about where things are going, but I like to think of myself as a, you know, community builder. So it was literally just, you know, start with one person. And it was like, I remember, I think the first one might've been like Nick Romito of of VTS and Ryan, his co-founder in New York, going to see their office when they were doing videos, tours of spaces. And, you know, a couple others like Michael Mandel and, and Riggs and Honest Building. And then, uh, of course, Pierce Neinkin, who really, in my opinion, is the, you know, the godfather, the founder of the whole movement, who is our partner now and actually started the first couple of meetups at uh, Cree Tech. And then, um, you know, then we, we came into the picture about 2015 or so. But it's really just been connecting people. So, you know, it's what I still do every day. There's. 10 startups that want to tell me about their product and they're looking for investors and I'm connecting them to investors and there's landlords. They're looking for some advice and some counsel. And then, you know, there's professionals like you who straddle both, you know, ownership side and investment side and well as, you know, media and just connect all the dots and literally one by one by one by one by one. And now of course we use tools like, you know, we have our, our conferences are a great way to attract people and our, our virtual ones, which we're focused on now. So just community building, man, old school. So you get into 2020, you're making your plans. You've got all these conferences of people that are going to show up in large groups going. And then yeah. March, middle of March hits with this little thing called COVID. Walk me through one, just like the entrepreneur's mindset as that's happening. And then what's kind of happened over the last couple of months. And then I'm going to then I want to talk about some innovation that you've done to to come out of this. Yeah, so uh, the entrepreneur's mindset was absolutely, unequivocally, fear, terror, paranoia. <laughs> I, I thought it was just me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I was psychotic. Yeah. What else? What other words can I use? <laughs> um, you know, we we had our best year ever. We had our best month ever in January. Our last conference in December of 2019 in Brooklyn, New York, we had over 2,000 people, two days. I mean, we were rocking and rolling. We were finally operating on all cylinders. And then, you know, we just, start, you know, because the conference business was, I think, the first industry to really see that something bad, there was a bad storm rising. And it was we, we started to see some of these conferences getting canceled in asia and then it rolled into europe and these are not you know these are just conferences over there fintech or medical or medtech or whatever and is this Um, in like january and february this is like february this is like this is like february and we're sitting around talking internally like you know there's some team members thinking oh it's never going to come here and there's others that are like you know maybe we should start thinking about it and then there's the entrepreneur who has almost, you know, gone out of business, but never did, thankfully, a thousand times going, holy, I don't know if you're close on your podcast, but yeah, holy, you whatever. Okay, <laughs> holy shit. This is going to be bad. And I remember, like, I remember being on this call internally, and I was like, they're canceling March Madness. And everybody's like, Michael, stop it. You're being ridiculous. I said, no, March Madness isn't going to happen. And everybody's like, are you crazy? I'm like, no, I'm a paranoid entrepreneur who built things from when I was 20, 21 years of age. And I live like this every day. Yeah. So when I see that storm coming, I, I'm going to put on my raincoat, get into the bunker, right? Because I, I can't afford to fail. I mean, I got too many mouths to feed and my own family and failure is not an option. So I'd rather react with extreme you know, measures because is hey, who cares if I'm wrong? But what if I'm right? So we had there's this um, this uh, very cool city. I don't know if you heard of it called Austin. Yep. And, 
How far are you from Austin, by the way? I'm like two and a half, three hours. Just down 35. Texas is that big. Like where I live in New Jersey, you could cover the whole entire state in that period of time. (laughs) I'm from El Paso, which is the furthest (laughs) west. I think it's like a... I think it's like an 11 or 12 hour drive all the way that's across crazy, the state. Man. That's crazy, man. You should be your own country. We've talked about We've that. We've talked that's about other, it. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, so we had a conference coming up, our first one in Austin, Texas, April, at the end of April. And we just made the decision look, you know, this is March. We got we to gotta start canceling this thing because it's good. It felt like it was really going to be bad. And, you know, at that time, this is before. The, the, the U.S. at least started to really understand how bad it was going to be. So we couldn't, honestly, we couldn't get out of hotel contracts. We couldn't get out of uh, uh, convention center space because they're like, you're overreacting. And we're like, no, it's going to be bad. Work with us. We'll come back next year. So we mitigated as much damage as we can. We refunded tickets. We refunded sponsors. And then we had another conference coming up in may in london and same kind of thing like what's going on in london what's the political environment are they gonna you know shut it down uh in terms of conferences and public meetings and so we made the the tough decision to cancel that one and push that to 21 and then we had our new york conference scheduled for september and i had to say listen i'm done no more conferences this year i don't think people want to get on planes. I don't think their spouses or their girlfriends or their partners or whatever want them on planes or their boyfriends. And you know what? I think it's it's like inconsiderate for me to say, let me try. And then everybody else goes and books hotels and airfare and they build booths. And then I say, oops, I have to cancel. Well, then I feel like an asshole. So I just said, you know what? I'll take it on the chin. I will figure it out. But we're done for 2020 in physical conferences. And that's kind of how, you know, it's not pretty or strategic, but that's what went into it. Just a little bit on like the conference business on like a normal in a, during a normal period. What is your kind of upfront cost that you're kind of out if it's a success or not? You mentioned hotel bookings. You mentioned wherever you're hosting the conference. Like what other things go into that? You know, I mean, you, it's a heavy, heavy upfront financial commitment to be in this business. It's not for the week. You know, you got to prepay for the venue. You got to prepay for the food and the catering. You got to prepay for the Wi-Fi and the infrastructure. You know, you got to, you know, then commit to hotel blocks. So I go to Austin and I say, I think I'm going to have, you know, 1,500 people. I've got to three months in advance go to each hotel and say, give me 300 hotel rooms. Give me 400. You're on the hook for all that. So it's not for the faint of heart. So, I mean, of course, that's the other reason why it wasn't worth a gamble for a small company like ours. If we missed, we're done. We're done. And I, I, I just couldn't take that risk. And then the other thing I felt like was, look, if we can't figure out how to reinvent while so many other businesses are, whether they're restaurants, whether they're hotels, whether they're shopping center owners or, you know, everybody's got to figure it out. So I'm not going to sit here and just wait. Let's let's become a better company. Let's use this horrific, shitty time. Once we've mitigated the, da- the damage, all right, now what? Let's be better. Let's When we come back, let's develop new tools, new lines of the business where you know, we'll rely on those. We'll be an omni-channel company. And I think the days of being a single physical conference event company are over. I don't think anybody could take that chance anymore because this is not the last uh, rodeo. And you By said, the way, did I ever tell you I went to the Houston rodeo? No, but it's awesome. <laughs> you Did you wear a cowboy hat? <laughs> the, the the Jersey guy with a cowboy hat. I think I think I would have been found out so easily <laughs> that, yeah, that I, I was I was I was a poser in that case. So no, I did not. But I was talking to a I was talking to a friend of mine, and this weekend, and we were talking about the the Houston rodeo. I, this was a young man. I was probably your age, and he he's like, you know, they have surprise acts when you go to the Houston rodeo, right? They don't tell you who the, who the uh, performer is. I don't know if that's still true. So he's like, he, he's, he was down in Houston. He went to the rodeo and I'm like, 
He goes, we're sitting there and all of a sudden, <laughs> a bunch of cowboys. He's like, it's Destiny's Child. I'm like, oh, Jesus. He said, Mike, who'd you get? I said, I did pretty good. I was, I was in a rodeo and I got the rodeo band. I got Brooks and Dunn. He goes, oh. Lucky you. That's about Nothing as rodeo as it gets. Child, but I wanted rodeo music. I love it. <laughs> anyway, sorry to sorry sidetrack. So there. you made a pretty bold statement there. You said that the the live event conference business is. You didn't say you can't. You, you just said you can't be a single focused uh, event company like you used to. Is that are you is that permanent or like what? What do you as a as a company like want to see to feel comfortable throwing these events again? Do you even know at this point? That's such a good, thoughtful question. Uh, so, you know, there's companies that are going to come back to conferences. And there's a couple already that are coming back in the fall. And good luck. I mean, I, I hope they're successful. And there's other very, very big shows that will come back. There's no doubt. You, in different parts of the country – you could you could get away with it uh, and and put on a successful small event. I'm sure. I can't. I, I can't. Michael Beckerman cannot and will not. Just going with my conscience and knowing that these are lives that are at stake. I don't want to take a chance. So I'm I'm not coming back until next year. But people will. I just feel like there's three industries that have to rethink. Their distribution. Well, actually, there's probably four. Their 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 distribution tactics and models. Right, education. I don't think education is going to come back. I think this is we're living through a time that COVID has forced us to rethink a lot of industries. So, like my kids who went home, the 13 and 15 sent home from school in the spring. It was a shit show. The schools were not ready. I'm sure, like everybody. And now you look at what's going on with colleges, and so. Are colleges ready to take students back? So you look at Harvard or you look at MIT and a couple others that said, no, you know, we're going to do an online in, 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 in Jersey. Uh, I think Rutgers has said they're going to go online. Well, you're still going to charge that much money for an online experience that sucks. So they're having to really come to grips with what, how did they distribute their product? And I think the other one is healthcare, like medical, like, like, like I think telemedicine is, is going to be a, a beneficiary, not a beneficiary. It's going to be something that's going to really emerge. And I think in conferences, it's the same thing. I mean, you think about, you know, and again, this is sacrilege because it's my company, but, you know, it sucks getting on an airplane and traveling. It sucks, you know, going through mass transit and and I know people want to connect, but you know, there's got to be a way that we can connect virtually, right? That is meaningful and important and relevant. And I want to commit to that forever. I want to get really great at virtual conferences, virtual networking. I'm working on some other big ideas on the networking side of things, where there's no, you know, it's like you know what it is, Chris. Like, so we have our big virtual conference coming up at the end of July. Four days. You cannot. It's the greatest lineup of speakers we've ever had. C-suite across the board, biggest real estate companies on the planet. Why? Because here's my ask. Mr. and Mrs. CEO, do you have 30, 35, 40 minutes to be in front of your computer anytime over the next month? Sure. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about innovation and technology within your company and the industry. Done. And I'm getting just like the best speakers we've ever had because why they don't have to jump on a plane. They don't have to, you know, the schedule is not like a year out. I think there's something there. Now, again, you know, if I've got sponsors and they want booths, they, they, they got to transact. And that's a big part of my show too. So I will come back to physical conferences, but I just think that virtual better than just zoom is, is absolutely the wave of the future in, in, you know, uh, in, in education, in medicine, and in conferences. Um, and then I think, you know, which, you know, you know so well because you've been such an active participant. And I think real estate's the other one that's going to be incredibly impacted by uh, technology, more so than at any time that I've been doing this. I, I will say one thing. I, it was worth getting on a plane, flying to Jackson Hole, and attending your three-day conference. And it was worth the tequila shots at 2 a.m. So that you can't <laughs> um, get online. I cannot confirm or deny. My kids are probably <laughs> listening to this. Um, well, at this point, they know their dad. Uh, and you were, you know, you were part of a very exclusive VIP uh, 
event, my friend. So uh, that was it. great. And we'll probably, again, you'll probably do things like that. You'll probably have small, intimate conferences where people are, you know, in a, in a really great location where they could convene. Yep. Yeah. That's coming back. Yeah. That's coming back. But, you know, I mean, again, look at the conference industry. I mean, they're going to have to figure it out. I mean, you're going to look at sports. They're going to have to figure it out. Yep. Is there something, and and maybe the answer is, I don't know, but is there something that you or peers in your industry, like some data point or something that you need to see to go, I'm cool putting the upfront cost to start doing live events again? Or is it just kind of <laughs> wait and see? A freaking vaccine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's a vaccine. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it'll be the vaccine, but not to be the pessimist, but, you know, I, I don't think we're done with with these sort of pandemics, but uh, I, I don't, the world's not coming to an end, but I think we're in a, a new era of uh, challenging, you know, health issues such as like that we're going through now, I think are, are you know, we're not one and done here. Um, but I wish we were, but I don't think we are. Hopefully, you know, that the, 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 the medical community can, you know, really get a hold of this and, and learn from it. And, and, you know, the next one that comes, they can, they can speed up the vaccine, but um, for us, it'll be a vaccine and, you know, and some, some, some distance between the vaccine and, and knowing that people are, are getting it and that you know, the, the world's returned to some, some degree of normalcy. You also have to look at, you know, you know, we're a global company. So what, what does the, what does travel look like uh, between, between countries, between States, where do we do this? But we'll figure it out. Like, like I said, it could be a series of small meetings throughout the world in, in different regions, but we'll figure it out. What's not going to change is that people want to connect and exchange ideas and learn about new products. And we just got to, there's got to be other ways we can do that other than like me and you sitting in across the room from each other. So you talked about the, the pandemic hits, the, your entrepreneur hat is on full blast. You're sitting at home wondering what's next. And you recently launched a consulting business, uh, helping connect people and connect ideas in the real estate technology world. Can you just hit on how that idea came to be and what what actually is it? So I'm sitting there at the end of our conference uh, in in Brooklyn. We're at the Brooklyn Brooklyn Navy Yard. Super cool, super trendy. The lights are up. Everybody's left the building. I'm sitting there by myself. I did have a nice bottle of tequila and some <laughs> amazing smoked salmon from uh, this like uh, Russ and Daughters, which is the greatest deli in New York, and it's in the building. I'm sitting there all by my lonesome. Don't cry for me. And I'm drinking my little tequila, exhausted from you know just putting this thing on the biggest show ever in our industry. And I just felt like something was missing. Um, and I'm a pretty happy guy. So it's like, you know, I, I, it wasn't like, I, I feel like we fucked up or something, but I just felt, you know, I, I felt good, but I was like, shit, there's gotta be more here. People already came in. There was buzz in the air. There was electricity, but now what? I'm going to not do this again for another six months. Well, the missing piece was if my if my mission, if I'm really committed to my mission of driving innovation and technology in the real estate industry, helping them adapt, helping them future proof themselves, I gotta do more. Just having conferences is not enough. It's it's good, it raises awareness, but everybody then goes back to their jobs and Chris is going to go buy another building and, you know, Ellie's going to go do all the things that Ellie does and invest <laughs> and advise, you know, and, and be Ellie, which is amazing and fantastic. But where's the, how's the innovation really being driven into the industry? How's it really being adopted? So that's, it was like at that moment, I was like, damn, I, I, I got to like, I got to go into consulting. I got to like physically help these real estate companies. And, uh, you know, again, the Brookfields of the world, the uh, the Jamestowns have great, amazing talent like Jenny Miller and Oxford's got Dean Hopkins and, you know, RXR's got Matt Boris and Tishman and, uh, you know, all these wonderful people. But what about everybody else? 
What if you're not the size of those companies? What if you own, you know, a couple million feet in in Austin or Boston or Nashville or whatever? Who's helping you figure out what technology should be in your that you should be using as a company for whether it's asset management or whether it's uh, leasing or marketing or sustainability? Who's helping you? So that's why I said I I, I got to move into that. Then the pandemic hits, and then I'm like. Uh, okay. I think now's a good time. Um, so, <laughs> you know, because now all these real estate companies, you know, are talking about technology and they're freaking out because like, they don't have any, they're not ready. Like I was talking about earlier, a couple of the industries that just were not ready. Education wasn't ready. Healthcare wasn't ready. And real estate wasn't ready. And so my idea was, let me build a consortium of the best talent I could possibly find these are independent consultants. These are freelancers. These are ex-CTOs. And I'll build together this great big talent agency, and I'll use the Cretech machine to help connect companies that need great talent, and we'll, we'll deliver those solutions, whatever they are, whether it's building access or whether it's you know data or whether it's product recommendations. I got the greatest talent in the world assembled. To help come up with those solutions, so that's what we launched um, literally just a couple of weeks ago. So, if I'm a customer, do I just get online and and submit that I need to talk to a consultant and tell them what my problems are? Exactly, you'll come through. You know, I mean, I make myself super available. So, you know, they'll come to me. I'll, we'll, we'll connect with them. We have a, a team that will vet what their needs are. We'll listen. We'll we'll try to understand. You know what what is your challenges and what are you looking for and we've got a whole menu of solutions as i said you know there's a lot of real estate companies now just trying to get people into their buildings you know frictionless so they want building access solutions i got you know lee odess is the greatest building access uh talent in the business so i you know you know we'll bring in lee to help advise that particular client or if they're looking for anything on sustainability you know lindsey baker former uh, head of sustainability at WeWork, former co-founder of Comfy, which sold to, I think, Siemens, you know, just, just for, you know, a, a rock star of the sustainability where we got former JLL, Cushman and Wakefield, Heinz uh, as uh, uh, tech executives. So and we've got about 20, 25, just, a, you know, we got cybersecurity, um, just phenomenal talent. And we really just want to help landlords, brokers, investors, wh- whatever it is. I mean, budget's not the issue it's you know we're not mckinsey or or no disrespect or deloitte or or, or pwc you know this is creep tech yeah. I mean, we know this industry so well so we're just trying to be helpful and, and help companies adopt you mentioned like a lot of the the big boys that have obviously their full tech teams but you've also noticed like jll has jll spark i know toll brothers has like a, a venture arm now i know brookfield has a venture arm is that kind of the new kind of thing that the, these huge companies are now starting to build these uh, almost like VC firms inside of their company to start investing in emerging technology rather than having to kind of create it on their own. You know, so if you look at the um, real estate tech investment landscape over the last couple of years, it's definitely changed. So in the beginning, and again, the beginning is only a few years ago. It was a lot of angel investors, individual, you know, uh, real estate professionals that were just looking to invest in the sector because they thought it was cool and they thought maybe there'd be some upside. Uh, but it was definitely a cool factor that led a lot of it. And then, you know, the venture firm where you got it, if you haven't had it on the show, you need to, uh, Fifth Wall came along. And that was really like, that's when, you know, they, they sort of just planted the flag and said, venture is here in commercial real estate. So the first fund was 200 million. And most of their LPs were big real estate companies like Prologis, like Lennar, uh, Heinz, CBRE. I think they're up to now a billion under management. And you know they've gone that direction. So big, big real estate companies uh, as their LPs. And there's other great ones like Navitas on the scene, uh, RETV, uh, Real Estate Tech Ventures, John Helm's firm. Um, I'm, I'm leaving off so many, uh, Camber Creek in New York. And again, their LPs are real estate people. So real estate people, you know, just became a much more efficient way to not only just learn about the industry, but to invest in it. And then you started, then you started to see like the firms, the big companies themselves have their own dedicated funds. So Prologis has one, Brookfield, uh, has one, Lenar, 
a lot of the really, really big ones have their own designated funds. And I think what they're looking there to do, Chris, is that it's both education, but it's also adoption. And I think the new wave that you're going to start to see, and I know a couple that are in the works, but I won't mention it. Uh, again, more guests for you is you're going to start to see some real estate companies build their own labs. So they're going to start building their own products. And I think that is what we saw in fintech. Again, where I learned most of like my knowledge is you know listening to way smarter people than me that are in the space that are actually doing the the work, but also copying other industries and, and trying to learn from that or studying that like fintech. And that's exactly the model if you look at what Morgan Stanley has done, at Goldman Sachs has done. You stu- you study their investment models. It's both venture, and then it's both internal, how they're investing internally. Um, I think you're starting to see JLL, for instance, really lead the way in terms of that model. So they have a venture group, but they're also deploying a a tremendous amount of technology internally. Yep. It's like every company is eventually going to become a tech company in some form or fashion. How about, how about you guys? I mean, what, when you look at how your company has evolved, you know, what, what role has technology played within your organization and how, I mean, this is, this is how I learned, like, how did you, cause I, and I know the answer you, cause you've been so forward thinking, but I love, I think your listeners would love to hear it. How, how did you create that culture within your company that yeah. says, you know, we're going to be an innovative company? Yeah. Cause it comes from you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of an innovative, uh, mindset at the top. It's, uh, it's a combination of things. I mean, it's since I was young, um, I've just always been fascinated with kind of the latest and greatest technology and really kind of understanding how much simpler some of it makes your life. And, you know, as, and then you become a business owner and you, you know, you're doing tasks or processes and you're kind of just in your head going, well, we could do the same process with, you know, 15 people. Or we could download this software and do it with three or four people. And it starts making it seem really easy to have that kind of adoption. But then you also just being an avid learner and reader and studier of other businesses, I'll never forget reading this article. And it didn't necessarily have to do with real estate, but it was the Blockbuster CEO in like 2009 gave a speech and he said, uh, Netflix is nowhere on our radar. They will not, they will not be competitive. And I think late 2010, a year later, they filed for bankruptcy. And then you hear things like Airbnb is this crazy little thing and hotels aren't nervous. And all of a sudden it's bigger than every hotel and or brand combined. And so you hear enough of those stories and you think, oh, well, maybe that's just for big companies. And the truth of the matter is it's not, it's for every company. And so I've just always been really kind of obsessive about what can make our business better and how do we do it through technology kind of first. So we use Juniper Square for all of our investor reporting, investment management. We used to be and are are currently an investor still in DealPath. Big fan. But we've invested about a million and a half dollars over the last two years in building our own kind of proprietary operating software um, internally. But we use Yardi, we use we used to use VTS, but again, what we're building internally kind of took the place of VTS and deal path. You know, we and we just kind of keep building. We've built an acquisition tool that brings in all the public data that we can find that help us understand which buildings might have the highest chance of selling. Uh, things like has the owner owned it longer than five years? Are they an out-of-state owner? Is it owned by an individual or an LLC? Uh, like you can pull all these different data points that we've kind of characterized as these would make a great seller. Is it owned in a family trust? You know, those are usually sellers of things. Um, and we've built this tool. Um, we hired two great people and um, we've outsourced a lot of the coding and back office over uh, across seas. but. Um, it's just kind of a technology first mindset. And I, and I guess uh, I'll end my rant by saying no, the, going, the craziest, the, the thing that I don't think people fully understand is having an innovation culture or a technology focused business isn't just a, all of a sudden one day the, you know, somebody walks into the company and says, we're going to download this software. And all of a sudden, you know, we're a tech focused company. 
you have to have people that believe in technology. And then let's just talk about getting on a new technology. You spend two to three months looking at it and wondering if you're going to choose it. Then you spend two to three months onboarding it. And you better have a couple power users that are obsessed with getting to know it, not just for that three months, but then for 12 months teaching the team and keeping them accountable to using it. And so it can take up to two years to fully implement from the day you decide you need a investor reporting software to the time that you've downloaded it, you have power users, and then the team has fully adopted it into their day-to-day routine. And the 12 months after you've onboarded any software, you, you constantly hear of companies that download something. Nobody's held accountable to making that software successful in the business. So they kind of download it. Nobody uses it. And then the next time a new software is put up on the block for you know something they need to get, everybody's like, no, we'll never use it, blah, blah, blah. The, the, the people and the process for implementing technology in your business is is or more critical than the technology itself. And that's something we have at Ford. We know how to bring on new technology. We know how to give ourselves the proper amount of time to get used to it. We know that we need power users that know every inch of the software and can help train our team. And if you don't have all that in place, you're never going to be an innovative or technology-based company anyway. And so companies that maybe going into the pandemic or whatever it is that are like, oh shit, we need to adopt technology really quick or we're going to be kind of wiped out. It's That's like a good decision to make. But then you look at your culture and your organization of people and you're like, well, nobody in here has ever cared about technology before. Nobody's ever really brought it up. That in and of itself is the problem. It's not the technology itself. And so it's hard to be- build an innovation culture. Um because it, it comes with some change and it comes with speed and it comes with growth. And that sometimes can make people feel uncomfortable. But for the right people, it's almost like where they feel the most comfortable. So that was a lot packed into kind of why. No, man. I mean, it's so inspiring, it. Chris. No, it's so inspiring. And, you know, I've been following you and Ford for years and I knew that. So I might have I, I might have uh, served you up one there. <laughs> I, I mean, love I've it. Been, I've been so impressed with what you've done and. You know, it's that innovator's mindset that is not inherent in the, uh, you know, in the real estate community. community. It's just, and and I get it. It's not a knock. It's not like I'm putting, you know, I can't tell you how many people like in the very beginning when I came into the industry, they would say, oh, commercial real estate is such an archaic industry. I'm coming in to disrupt it. I'm going to dislodge brokers. (laughs) I'm going to get rid of owners and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I just sit there and, you know, I. I, I might be from Jersey, but I'm not really a wise guy. So yeah. I, uh, I, I just sit there and chuckle. But internally, I'm like, you know, you, you, I'll see you in six months when you send me your resume. I know, like, you know, because <laughs> it's not going to happen. The, the the industry has worked for generations, created enormous wealth and progress. Cities, buildings have gotten better, and um, everything's been great. Until it wasn't, which is this pandemic. And I'm not trying to overstate what the implications are, but you you know, the nature, the notion that people have to sit in a room to transact, to have a closing is ridiculous. What it's done is it's shed the light on the fact of how inefficient this industry is. And I think once people, you know, hear more about your story and they'll they'll start to realize shit, I could get stuff notarized. I could get appraisals through Bowery. I can do this. I can Juniper Square and DealPath and VTS, or I could use a transactional platform like Crexy or by proxy, or I could get virtual tours or virtual leasing agents. And they're going to start to see how much efficiency can be created by adopting these tools. The, the, you know What we've done is just like, cleaned out the garage and now it's like oh my god i didn't realize there was like this cool stuff in there now you can see uh yeah there's some really great stuff in the garage to to, you know it's incredible and back to that culture is like a lot of the naysayers are folks that would rather they they look at it as like well i could lose my job if we adopt this technology because the technology will do my job and we think of it totally opposite we think you're so much more talented. There's so much more you could do. The technology should give you like a leg up in the world, not take your position in the world. And um, 
Yeah. I mean, you're starting to see it. Real estate, I mean, you know this better than anybody. The last three or four years, technology and real estate is on a hyperbolic curve. I mean, it's growing quickly. Um, it's pretty much table stakes these days. I'm excited. I'm really excited to see the technology that's coming from the pandemic. I was going to ask you that question. Like, have you seen or heard of anything maybe that was already being created, but is now has a lot more momentum behind it or some of the ideas that are already kind of showing themselves is maybe what, you know, what we might be reading about in the news of new companies that are coming? Yeah, I I was talking to somebody about it on a webinar the other day, Chris. I I, I mean, maybe others have seen it. there's nothing that comes to my mind where I say, oh, this is coming and this is brand new. What I think what I think what I'm seeing more of is that, you know, like uh, I saw I saw something from a company called Notarize the other day that they've had like 400 percent growth in the last, I don't know, three months. Right. So there, there's tools that were already there that are starting to scale. You look at a company like Lemonade that just went public on, uh, I think it's renters insurance. And, you know, it had a terrific IPO. Um, so there's just, there's all these inefficiencies. And I think the money's, the, the smart money's going after, uh, companies that are established and, and scaling faster now as a result of the pandemic, look at CoStar buying 10 X and that's just a precursor of what's to come. There's going to be marketplaces. There's going to be, there's there's so much innovation. I think on the, you know, one area I would love to have, you know, I mean, you've been great at it. And um, one area we do need more attention to is the early stage, because there are some great young founders coming into the ecosystem, whether they're on the construction side or they're on the affordable housing side or whether they're, uh, you know, just, you know, great new ideas. And the the, the negative of what's going on right now uh, is that, you know, there is a shortage of uh, liquidity. In, in in the early stage investing, but there's some phenomenal ideas that are coming. So, you know, hopefully Cretech can play a, a, a role in the future in, in, in putting together some of these angel networks a little bit more formally, because that's one thing I'm starting to focus on now. A lot of money is going towards later stage. And, you know, uh, like on some, some of these companies like Smart Rent or Latch, State's Title, I mean, I'm just throwing out names, but these are companies that are really starting to scale, and uh, but we need we need early stage. We need help in the, in the supporting young entrepreneurs. There's a lot of them. That's also why I spent a lot of time with like the educational system and the universities, and done a lot of talks at different colleges because you know we need we need young people coming into this ecosystem and um, you know getting involved because that's the future. And it's people like you with that kind of mindset. Uh, but it's not just young people. I mean, you know, you take an old fart like me, fifty six. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm still trying to figure out half the shit my team's working on and they'll laugh like, you know, can he figure out Slack yet? Yeah. And I was like, I'm trying, man. Be patient. I'll get there. You'll get there. Uh, I'll get there. I have I'll two comments there. on that. The first Go. is I talk at TCU uh, to the oh, real estate great. club. That's probably, your alma mater, right? Probably, That's yeah, it's my alma mater. And I, they invite me to you. talk to their real estate club once a semester. Excellent. And in the last like year and a half, I've started when they're asking about industries to get into, I've basically just started saying like, there is a kind of a CRE technology, VC technology around real estate industry that's growing. You don't have to necessarily go get into construction or development. Like you can go get into the tech side of it. And I would tell you the, of the Q and A's that I get once I'm done talking like 80% of the students want to talk about that one comment I made about this industry called real estate technology and their eyes get really wide and you can just, that's like all they want to talk about, which is not a surprise from that generation, but it's amazing how many people still don't know that that could be an avenue for their career and how, uh, how much their eyes light up around it. So I think you have something there. I did the same thing. I spoke at the university of Michigan, uh, last year sometime and it was the same thing and it was just i was just up there talking about you want a future where it's just like you know it's just open pastures and it's just you know tremendous amount of you know it's a blank canvas and this opportunity get into the sector because there's this is not a bubble i mean this is like you know this is not creating some consumer app that's hot for five seconds i mean this is, you know, you're going to be changing an 
the biggest industry on earth for the better. And you're going to find more and more people that are saying, uh, hey, I need to hire people that have, like Chris, this innovator's mindset that are comfortable with technology. And I want them in my organization. As you said, everyone's going to become a tech company. I could not agree more. Every company is going to have to think like a tech company, which is take some risks, reinvest, innovate, get better, eliminate efficiency, get rid of waste. And, and I think, you know, also on the, on, the, on the asset side, too, I mean, you're going to have to rethink a lot of these assets and a lot of them are going to need technology to power them, to understand uh, flow and, and, and patterns and migration and all these sort of things. Like you said, data on where people are moving, living, uh, how long. I mean, that data, it's no longer like, oh, I heard so-and-so sold at this cap rate across the street. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, this is your world. The whole, the whole industry is changing uh, for the better. It's changing quick. You kind of mentioned, uh, you know, every university right now is telling their students they're trying to market that it's worth paying them 50000 a year to take the same courses online. And then next semester, they're going to have to market that you got to pay the same amount, but now come back on campus. Uh, that's a tough marketing challenge. Um, then Stanford released today, they're cutting 11 of their major sports. Are, is oh, this kind they, of the, Yeah, they just released it kind of before we got on the podcast. Did, do you, you know, again, don't need a, you know, a magical answer, but do you see this becoming not, I don't want to say the beginning of the end, but a radical transformation in uh, how people think about higher education going forward? So, I mean, I have friends that are really deep into, into, uh, into higher ed and trying to rethink it. Uh, there, there's a great podcast, uh, uh, Prop G. If, if, if you listen to Prop G, if you don't, you've got to listen to him. So he's an NYU marketing professor. He talks all about this, that the future of education must be about technology and it must bring down the cost. Um, for the masses. And you'll have a Stanford, you'll have a Yale, Harvard, MIT, a Georgia Tech, whatever, whatever, whatever. But, you know, for the rest of the world, they don't have to spend half a bazillion dollars on a delivery of, of a not a great product if it's going to be virtual. And also, you know, why does it need to be that experience uh, physically on campus? I mean, his premise is that, you know, it's going to be Apple is going to get together or uh, with Stanford, and they're going to deliver content education to the masses that's just going to be much lower priced. And then you'll have others that want to go on campus. And I think, again, I see the same parallels to real estate. Like, And I, I, I've been doing this long enough to not be gullible enough to think, oh, it's just a fad. It's going to go. Everybody's going to go back to work. I really think that there's something different in the air. No pun intended. Yeah. That's terrible. I agree. I think people are rethinking you know, lifestyle, quality of life. And I think companies are rethinking, do I need to have a million square feet in a single tower, all my employees in midtown Manhattan? And I think we're going to, the pendulum's going to switch. I think we're going to have a distributed, I think, I don't think people are going to work from home, but I think that people are going to work in multiple cities, better quality of life. I think cities like yours and others are going to be beneficiaries of it. And But I think there's change. So then again, technology. How do you communicate with a distributed workforce? How do we operate? How do we then look at deals and transactions and construction projects if we're all remote and we're all working from different locations? Yeah, it can be done. <laughs> so I think education is going to have to rethink and I think real estate is going to have to rethink, you know, just the, 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 the entire way the industry operates and uh, collaborates. It's interesting. It's like if you anchor into the only success of the future is if we get back to the way it was and it can seem pretty uh, bearish and negative, but if you kind of get excited about how the economy and, and, you know, our community is going to re kind of transform itself, there's going to be a lot of silver linings and benefits that come from it. Um, and I, and, and, you know, there's days I wish it was still pre COVID. And then there's days that I'm kind of looking forward to what's to come. Cause I, Amer I, if there's one thing we do know, American entrepreneur, uh, ship and that kind of grind, it comes out in times like this. And that's when a lot of cool stuff gets created. Hey man, I could not agree more. Uh, you know, I think that's, 
Absolutely, Chris. Well, so well said. That that's how I think every day. I mean, I go because I, you know, it's it's just always been sort of my mentality. Is I go from, you know, every day I'll have a range of, you know, <laughs> ten different emotions from absolute fear and paranoia and dread, but most of the emotions are about excitement. Like, man, I get to reinvent, and I know I just believe in myself and my team to look at something like this that's so challenging and come out the other side better, more innovative, uh, more relevant, as opposed to just, you know, the, the whole thing I think, uh, lastly, is like the concept of rinse and repeat is like, it's just, it, it makes my skin crawl. It, it just makes me nauseous. Like, <laughs> I don't want to go through my life and just say, I, I found a formula and I just repeated it and repeated it and repeated it. Yeah, it's great to make a. I, I, if I if I wanted that, I would have stayed at my old company, which you know I'd finally gotten on autopilot and it was cranking. And I could go play golf if I if I ever played golf in my life. And you know you could I could have been a CEO that works you know reasonably hard. And I rejected it because I was so bored with myself and that notion of going through life that way. Now listen, I'm not judging. There's a lot of people that. You know, think I'm freaking crazy, and, and a lot of some days I think they're right. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I think I want that paycheck again now. You know, yeah, I wish I had all that, but I just know myself that you know it's like that infinite learner. I just, I just want to learn and get better, and I've never been more excited about my my uh, my company, my industry, uh, uh, you know, uh, conferences, and my community of real estate tech. So. I'm bullish, man. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. Thanks, I man. love hearing it. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Uh, seriously. Thanks for uh, all that you have that you do. You continue to do. You're a role model and inspiration for more people than you realize. And uh, thanks to the great uh, Ellie Feingold for for reconnecting us again recently. I think the last time we spoke, we were in Austin. It was two o'clock in the morning, and it was tequila. But it's good tequila, so yeah. nobody gets hurt. Nobody gets hurt. <laughs> But uh, it's great to reconnect it. And uh, thanks for giving me an opportunity to uh, shoot my mouth off. You bet. I appreciate you joining me today. And uh, yeah. All right, pal. Be great. We really enjoyed it. You're, you're good at this, man. Talk Thank to you. Later. Bye. 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 Hey everyone, it's Chris here again. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating or write a quick review. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next episode. Chris Powers is the founder and CEO of Fort Capital LP. All opinions from Chris and guests of the Fort Podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Fort Capital LP. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for real estate or investment decisions. The Fort with Chris Powers is produced by Straight Up Podcasts.